summary of the Sikha. There's uh, in our parsha talks about the parsha Mitzvah talks about a zov, gives us details of if a zov uh, who is tamei, what kind of tumah he conveys, and it says there, and it, that if he touches a klicheres, a pottery, an earthenware keli utensil, that the zov will touch, the should be broken. It means it becomes tamei and it cannot be tabled to the mikveh because that's the rule for a klicheres; it never becomes tamei etar. And if it's a wooden utensil, then it should be taken to the mikveh, which means it also becomes tamay by the touching of the zav. So Rashi quotes the words, and a klicheres that will be touched by the zav, and he says, I would think that even if he touched it on the outside, on the surface, that it would also become tamay. Uh, so, and he says, as the Torah's kind of explains it, and, uh, and then comes to the conclusion that only the, a touching which is boy, which means it's considered to be touching the entirety of it. Normally, uh, when a person touches a keli, it doesn't touch the entirety of it, you touch it in one place. What's called touching its entirety? That if you move it. So therefore, it teaches us that if a zav pushes a keli even through, a, let's say, a stick, he didn't come into the direct contact with it, it becomes tame because he moved it. And that's what yigabai over here means. In other words, because a klicheres, we know already from earlier that a klicheres can only become tamei by its inner surface. If, some, if something tamei gets into the airspace, the inner airspace of the klicheres, then it becomes tamei. But if a tumah touches it on the surface, on the outside of the keli, it doesn't become tamei. That's what leads to this whole discussion. So the question is, why does Rashi have to find, uh, explain anything about the words yigabai, if he touches it? It's uh, quite simple, if he touches it. And he, has to, and, Ra, and he explains it based on what the Gemara, uh, what the Tereskainim says, which is not necessarily Pshudosh Mikra, that it says over there that it means if he moves it, it doesn't mean if he touches it. Why doesn't Rashi simply say, if he touches it? And over here, what it means is that he touches it on the surface, and if a zav touches something on the surface, it becomes tummy, at least from Pshudosh Mikra, even if that's not the final Allah. And the reason he can't say that is because we already know from earlier, as I said, from Pasha Shmini, where it talks about the tumah that is conveyed by rodents, dead rodents, that if it says over there that if it falls into the klicheres, then it will become tummy. So we know already that even according to Pshudosh Mikra, a klicheres does not become tummy only from the inside surface. So we can't say that when it says Yigabayazab, it means that he touched it on the surface. So Rashi is telling us that you may think that maybe by a tumah sheretz, that is, is not as toxic a tumah as Zav. Zav is a much more stringent tumah than, than uh, sheretz. So there, only if it's, it's only on the surface, but on the, uh, uh, sorry, it's only on the inside, but not on the surface. But here by Zav, even if he touches it on the surface, it's also Tameh. So Rashi says, no, it's not that way. So then the Rashi is left with the question, so then what does it mean he touched it? He, if he touches it, it doesn't become Tameh. Therefore he says that the Torah kind of explains that touching it means moving it. It means touching its entirety, and, and that's what it means. Just to explain what the Torah's Kainim says there, that Rashi points us to, but doesn't quote what the Torah's Kainim says. The Torah's Kainim says that I would think that from a, you might think that even if it touches from the outside, so he says, no, that can't be, because 
even a, a tummy mace, even the tumor which comes from a dead body, which is by far the greatest, the, the most toxic type of tumor, even if a mace touches it from the outside, it wouldn't become tummy. So then how could you think that if a, a zov touches it on the outside, it should become tummy? Therefore, we know that it can't mean that. But then goes back and says, but you might answer that there's a certain stringency by a zov, which is that if a zov sits on something, even if he's not coming into contact, direct contact with it, like there are ten layers of blankets, even the bottom blanket becomes tummy just because he sat on it, which at a mace, that wouldn't be the case. So we see there's a certain stringency by, by, uh, by Azov, and maybe because of that, even if he touches it from the outside, it would still be Tomei. So the Teres Kainu comes to a conclusion that there is a Pasuk, Akzeir Shabbat, it says boy over here, it says boy by cooking the Karbonus, and over there boy means inside the pot, because that's where you cook, so therefore over here, boy also means if he touches it only on the inside, it will become Tomei. But if he touches it on the surface, even a zav would not convey tumor. So then what does yigabai mean? So that's where the Tereskenim concludes that it means if he moves it, and that's what the Pasuk is teaching. So this whole thing, Rashi points us there, but doesn't tell us what the Tereskenim said. So why does Rashi point us there? Is it necessary to know what the Tereskenim said or not? If it's necessary, then tell us what he said. If it's not necessary, don't point us there either. So what is going on? So this will be understood by first explaining something else. There is a pasuk before, uh, just before this pasuk, which says, "The anything that the zov will touch, and he did not rinse his hands in water, which means, is another way of saying he didn't go to the mikveh, mikveh yet, which means he was a zov and then he became healed, and but he didn't go to the mikveh yet." And then he touched something, or touched someone, that person has to toivel his garments, whatever he's wearing, he has to go to the mikveh himself, and he's tummy until the evening. So we have to understand, why is that pasuk necessary? Since there is a pasuk which says almost virtually the exact same thing. Two psukim earlier, a few, uh, only two psukim earlier, I believe. It's actually three psukim earlier. It says, and if anyone touches the body of the Zav, he has to take his clothing to the mikveh, and he has to go to the mikveh, and he's tummy till the evening. It's literally the same thing. Why does the pasuk repeat a whole pasuk, and what's the novelty of this new pasuk? So the, the, the explanation of this is that this is not really a really big, a great question in Pshudosh Mikra, because whenever there is something, the, the pasuk can repeat an entire pasuk if it's just conveying one new novel idea. This we know because the Torah sometimes conveys an entire parsha just to convey one novel idea. Like the story in Bereshis, that the Torah repeats the creation of Adam and Chava because in the second uh, version of it, it adds some new details to the uh, story. But he repeats the entire thing just to add a few new details. So certainly in a pasuk, if there is a new detail that's going to be shared that's a good reason why the whole Pasuk is repeated so Rashi doesn't have to question but we have, has to, doesn't have to answer but we have to know what is this new detail what's the new detail that is in that Pasuk in that Pasuk the new detail is he did not rinse his hands with water so we said before that it means that he didn't go to the mikveh. But Rashi explains, why does the Pasuk say that he didn't go to the mikveh? By saying he didn't rinse his hands. 
And the answer that Rashi gives is because it teaches these, the interesting halacha, which is that what has to come into contact with the mikveh, only the hands, like the hands, which are on the surface of the body. But it teaches us that the inner parts of the body do not have to come into contact with the water of the mikveh. So it teaches, for instance, that you don't have to open your mouth so that your tongue and your teeth also have to come into the contact with the mikveh. Because that's hidden inside your mouth. That's what's taught by this pasuk. One novel idea. So now with that we understand that. So we come to our pasuk. In our pasuk it says, anything that the zav will touch should, uh, if it's a klicheres, it has to be broken. If it's a wooden keli, it should be taken to the mikveh. What, why does this have to, pasuk have to be told to us? That's something which is well known from before. We're already learning that with the zav touches this, it's tame. If he touches, if he sits on something, it's tame. So we know already that if he's touching things, it becomes tame. What is this pasuk? What is this pasuk exactly trying to teach us? So therefore, Rashi says, perhaps what it's trying to teach us is that even though normally if you touch a klicheres on the surface, it doesn't become tame. Maybe that's what this Pasuk is teaching. That if a Zav will touch the klicheres, it will become tame. That's the new halacha. Aye, what about the second part of the Pasuk? And by wood, there's no, uh, no, nothing novel about that. Of course, every, anyone that's tummy that touches the knob, that the surface of a wooden keli becomes tummy, not a big question. There's one novel idea in the Pasuk about klicheres. That's the reason that the Pasuk is written. That's why Rashi says, this is the reason we would think that, this, that if he touches it on the surface, it becomes tummy. And Rashi says, and I have support in the Teres Kainim. If you look over there, you'll see that the Teres Kainim offers... A, a logical re, uh, explanation why we would think that a zav that touches a klicheres on the surface it should become tummy even though even a tummy mess that touches the surface of a keli doesn't become tummy and that is because there's a certain stringency to the zav that if, if he sits on something ten, sur, ten surfaces down it becomes tummy so that's why he doesn't have to tell us what the teres kainim says because it's only a support but if you want, you can go look there and you'll see that what I'm saying is right. But in the end, Rashi says, that's not the correct shot. The, real, the correct shot is that the novelty of this Pasuk is not teaching that if a Zav touches a Klicheres on the surface, it becomes Tameh. But rather, what it's teaching us is that if, the, if he moves the Keli, even without coming into direct contact with it, it becomes Tameh. And even though in that, in, if, you, if you say that that's what the novelty, the word kiyiga is taken out of its literal context, because he's not even touching it. Kiyiga now means he moved it. But still Rashi prefers that. Why does Rashi prefer that? Because Rashi has another problem with this Pasuk. Why does the, even if the Pasuk wants to repeat this, uh, uh, that, uh, you know, if Azov te- touches the Klicheres, but why does he have to say if the Zav touches the Klicheres? Why doesn't it just say, since the previous Pasuk says, and any, anyone that the Zav will touch, that's what you have to do. He has to go to the mikveh, his clothing in the mikveh, and so on. Now it says, it could have simply said, and a Klicheres should be broken, and a wooden utensil should be tabled. Why does it have to say, 
and a klicheres that is touched by the zav. We know that we're talking about a zav touching it. Therefore, Rashi says it's logical to say that the novelty is in the word that he touched. Otherwise, the Torah wouldn't repeat the word he touched. And the fact that the Torah repeats the word that he touched means that the novelty is found in that word. In other words, that the word he touched in this case doesn't mean he touched the way it means any other place in the Torah. Here it means something different. It means he moved it. And that's what the Pasuk is teaching, that if a Zav moves a Keli, even without coming into direct contact with it, it becomes Tameh. The Rebbe takes a lesson in Aveda as well from this Rashi, the Aklicheres, the earthenware Keli, refers to a person, to the human. The human is Afar, the Yisaydim Afar, that's where it was built from, that's where it comes from. Um, as the Pasuk says, Hashem created man from uh, earth, from the ground. So the lesson is, a person does not become Tomei from the surface. What does the surface mean? The surface means the body. The neshama is, on the, is internal, the surface means the body. Or Me'achayrav means on the back. The back of the person is the body. The front, the center is the neshama. So what does it mean, become Tomei Me'achayrav? There are, Hashem put us into this world, and we are in contact with the physical world. And he created us in a way that we have to eat and we have to sleep and we have to do things which, in the end, bring us pleasure. We enjoy doing those things. And even though we're not supposed to enjoy it, we have to get beyond enjoying it. And one day we have to answer for that. But we would think that that would also compromise the inner part of the keli. That makes you impure. You would think that if you, got, if you took on, from on the surface, you came into contact with tumah, with a negative trait, you would also, you're completely compromised. So it says, no, a klicheres is not We don't become compromised because of the things that we come into contact with, which are natural to us. But that is only, the condition is, that you consider yourself a klicheres. If you are, consider yourself humble. But if you begin to see yourself as a wooden utensil, meaning I, I want to grow, I want to expand, there is something to me, I want to see it differently, or certainly a metal keli, which means you become hardened and that you're no longer humble in that way, so then you could become tummy even on the surface. Even on the surface it could compromise your inner uh, self. So Rashi says, I would think that when it comes to tumma of Azov, which is a very toxic tumma, maybe it should even compromise you on the inside, even if you consider yourself a klicheres. Why would that be? Because Azov is an unnatural tumma. There is tumma's nida. That is natural. There's a natural cycle. It's just something that happens. That's what the nature expects. So therefore, it's a, not a, the, the tumma is considered to be natural to you and not particularly toxic. But azav means things which are unnatural. It's something that you aren't, it, it's not even expected. You're taking on things which are, which you shouldn't be involved in. You're doing things, the body is doing things which it doesn't naturally need to do. That is a worse kind of sub, uh, subjecting yourself to a greater influence of the Yetzirah. So I would think that that does compromise you, even on the inside, even on your essence. So Rashi says, no. Even that, it, uh, it just doesn't compromise you on the surface, unless you do something which 
moves your whole inside, it touches your very essence. There are ways that a person can be compromised even on their essence as long as it's things which are penetrate to your essence. But if it doesn't, if it's only me'achayrev, even though it's a toxic type of a tumor like zav, in the end, every Jew is pure on the inside and the purity of the inside is what drives the person even if on the surface we're being driven by other kinds of motivations.